Well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Guys feeling good? Come on, who loves Christmas in this place? Yeah, I love Christmas. You are my people. I love Christmas. I love the hot cocoa. I love the Christmas movies. I love all the Christmas cookies. I love the Christmas trees, the Christmas lights. I love Christmas. And I especially love this Christmas season because Michigan beat Ohio State, baby. Two years in a row. The greatest gift that I could receive. <laughs> and we're the Big Ten champion. Hey, you know what? Listen, I, you know I had to bring that up, all right? Because all y'all were giving me flack the entire week, all right? And Pastor Shane over here giving me flack. Listen, I love Christmas. It's an it's amazing time. And uh, we had so many great memories and growing up as a kid. One of the memories that I had as a kid was my dad. The very first thing that we did um, on Christmas morning was my dad gathered around the family, around the Christmas tree, and we would read the Christmas story. And I remember as a, as a kid, in my head, I'm like, come on, come on, dad, hurry up. I want to open presents under the tree. And as soon as my dad uh, said the prayer, I dashed to the tree. I started passing out the gifts to my brothers, to my mom, to my dad. I just love Christmas. And if you think about it, Christmas, there's three essential things that you got to have in order to celebrate Christmas right. Number one, you got to have a Christmas list. You got to have a list of uh, people of who you're going to buy gifts for. And uh, uh, when I was a kid, the, my Christmas list was really, really short. It only had one name on the list. And that was my name, Josh Bonsler. All right. Because I want to make sure I didn't get left out of Christmas, all right? But one of the things as you, as uh, changes as you get older, uh, your Christmas list begins to change. Um, the fir very first thing is your name comes off the list, all right? And more and more people come into your life, my wife and then my baby girl, Adeline. And so your name comes off the list, but you got to have a Christmas list. The second thing is you got to have a Christmas tree. You got to have a Christmas tree. Now, I got a question for us, church. How many already have the Christmas tree up in the house? Come on, let's see it. All right. And then how many of you have already set up your Christmas tree before Thanksgiving? You had your tree up. You're my people. How many of you will wait till Christmas Eve to set up your Christmas tree? Yeah, there you go. All right. I feel bad for you, my man. Listen, Christmas trees, all right? You got to have a Christmas tree, all right? And then you got to have gifts, all right? You just got to have some gifts. The most common used word during the Christmas season is gifts. And some of you will be frantically trying to find the right gift for the right person at the right price. According to creditcards.com, 30% of you will wait till Christmas Eve to get all of your Christmas shopping done. Don't be those people, all right? I know, I know you guys, all right? Listen, but Christmas is, is way more than, than presents under the tree. The reality is most of the presents under the tree need batteries. Most of the presents under the tree are trending one year, fading out the next year. And, and we really need to look beneath the surface and realize there is something more beautiful and precious and sustainable than any present you could open under the tree. Listen, that all the presents in the world, that the presence of God, is the most sustainable gift that we could ever have. Amen? It's the most pressed sustainable gift. It can fix anything that what no toy can fix. Man, the presence of God can solve and fix. The presence of God. And I, I, love, I love Christmas. And, and ever since the beginning of time, since the book of Genesis, there was this expectation that a Messiah would come. 
And there was these, these prophecies of hundreds of years, all, the, all in the Old Testament, prophesying that a Messiah would come and save their people from their sins. Listen, Christmas did not start with Santa Claus. Christmas started 2,000 years ago with a tree, and not just a Christmas tree. It started with a family tree. And we find the story of Christmas in Matthew chapter 1, the beginning of the family tree of God. And there's names in the family tree like, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, legends of the Bible. And then, and then the family tree kind of takes a turn. It mentions some, some, some sinful people in, in the family tree, like Rahab the prostitute, some, some people who had made some mistakes, had some, had some dysfunctions in their life, had some sketchy past, like Tamar who slept with her father-in-law to get pregnant. Listen, there's some sketchy people in this family of God. But yet through this dysfunctional family up and has used that family and that God can still show up today in any dysfunctional family. Isn't that good news that he can show up in any family no matter what kind of past you have and he can do a great work in any family that's willing to open up to the heart of God. Isn't that good news today? He loves us. And so our theme verse for this weekend uh, is John 3.16. And I want to talk to you about the purpose of Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we do all these Christmas decorations and traditions? And before we get into the busyness of our schedules, I just want to talk to you about the celebration, why we celebrate, the purpose of why we do Christmas. And it's literally found in one of the most famous passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. Unchristians know it. Believers know it. We memorize it all the time. We see it in sports arenas. It's John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one... 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There are 25 words in that, in that verse, that middle word, the 13th word is the word son, which refers to Jesus Christ. The, the first half of John 3, 16 really all deals with, uh, deals about God. For God so loved the world. And then the last half of John 3, 16 really deals all about us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And what I just gave you as a nutshell is the message of Christmas. And at both this Christmas and the Christmas that comes, I really want to help you understand that God, through this John 3.16 verse, has given us three amazing, powerful gifts that you and I are, can celebrate this Christmas. The first gift, if you're taking notes, is this. God gives us his love as a gift. God gives us his love as a gift. For God so loved the world. If you were in the world, you are receiving God's love. God's love includes everybody. It includes me. It includes you. It includes the people that you have a really hard time trying to love. God loves everybody. His love is not inclusive. His love is for everybody. It's not a person that God doesn't love. And if, and if Christmas really tells us anything, it should tell us this, that you matter to him and he loves you. And maybe some of you have never heard that, that God loves you because you've made some mistakes, you had some past decisions, but God loves you. No matter what kind of past you have, he loves you and you matter to him. And so God loves the world and the only thing that has to be, has to be true of that is for you to be in the world. God loves you. Doesn't matter how many times you've turned your back on God, away from God, disobeyed God, denied God, forsaken God, he loves you. He loves you unconditionally. 1 John uh, 4, 
16 really kind of sums up what God is, who God is. And it really just describes him as God is love. God is love. It doesn't say that God loves. He is love. The reason you are alive, the reason why your heart is beating, the reason your lungs are breathing right now is because he created you to love you. He is love. He couldn't help himself. And he's not just said that he loves us. He has actually proven to us that he loves us so much. Look at 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says, it says, by this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. God doesn't just say he loves you. I mean, he has proven to us that he loves us by sending his son. God loves you just because he is of. God loves you just because you are in the world. He doesn't love you because you are good. He doesn't love you because you deserve. Love is not inclusive. God's love includes everybody. It's not just a national love. God's love is not just a love. It's not just a political love. God's love is a total love. And he loves every single person in this room and around the world. No matter what kind of past you have, he loves you. God loves us. It's a gift. Amen. Second gift that he gives us through John 3.16 is that God gives Jesus as a gift. God gives Jesus as a gift. How many like giving gifts in this place, all right? Listen, you should. We all should. Listen, you should. We all should love giving gifts because you know who the, who's the most generous person? Is God. God loves to give. There's no one more joyful than God because God loves to give. And the more you get to know the God that gives, the more you want to, more you want to keep on giving because he just keeps giving and giving and giving. He is the generous giver. He is a generous giver giver and he loves it and the reason why we celebrate christmas is that he gave the greatest gift that we could ever receive and that is the gift of his son jesus christ i want you to know that that christ jesus christ himself is a gift to us listen he may not give you health or wealth in this world but he gives us himself to us as a gift and it's precious and it's powerful gift that we should not be taken lightly um Jessica, my wife and I, we've been married uh, eight years, over eight years, and we've had an amazing marriage. We have ups and downs, good seasons, bad seasons. We celebrate a lot of Christmases, all right? And so I want to let you in on some inside scoops in our marriage, all right? Um, I am, my love language is not giving gifts, all right? I'm actually a horrible gift giver, all right? And so every time Christmas rolls around, I start to panic because I'm like, what am I going to get her? What am I going to get her? So uh, the first few years, I hit it out of the park. I was like, yeah, baby, I got you some good gifts. Now, uh, as years progress, we, we sit down before Christmas, and we're like, okay, are we buying gifts for each other or are we not buying gifts? And so this one particular year, we said, now we're not going to buy gifts. We're going to do something different. And so Christmas Eve rolls around and that's when we celebrate Christmas because we come here for the services. And there is a gift under the tree addressed to me from my wife, Jessica. And I don't have a gift for her. Husbands, future husbands, men, when she says she doesn't want a gift, buy her a gift. <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> and so... So, but the greatest gift that she gave me, it wasn't an item or a thing in this world, man. It was herself. When we stood at the altar eight years ago, when we said our vows, we gave ourselves to each other. It's the greatest gift that we could ever receive from each other. And that's how Christ is. He gives the greatest gift himself. He gives us his life. He gives us his righteousness. He gives us his salvation. He gives us his affection. God is a giver. And I, I, want, you, I want you to see how sweet this is. 
Because you look at all the other religions in the world and their God's a taker and their God's a taker and their God's a taker and their God's going to take through karma and their God demands a certain amount of good works in order to please him. Listen, listen, the God that we serve, CLC, the God that we serve and worship is not a taker. He is a giver and he gives us life. Come on, isn't that good news? He is a giver. And there's some of you in this room today that view God as a taker. You view God as a taker that if you accept God into your life, you believe he's going to take away your fun. You believe he's going to take away your finances. And you believe that he's going to take away your relationships. And you feel that God is a taker. Which makes no sense to me because what does God want from you that he already doesn't have? He is a giver. And, he, and, and I would even say this, he is the outgiver. He will outgive you every single time. There's not no amount of money that you can give to him, amount of good works that you can do. He will continuously outgive you every single time. He's the outgiver. He puts breath in your lungs. He makes your heart beat. Come on, every season that you've walked through that you shouldn't have walked through and got out of alive, listen, God gave that to you and he made you get out of that because he is the outgiver. He outgives us every single time. Can we just begin to thank him today? He's not a taker. He's the outgiver. And he outgives us by giving us his son, Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to take you to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, 700 years before Jesus' birth, the prophet Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these powerful words about this gift that we have been given. It says, Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child will be born to us. To us a son will be given. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. Now here's the problem in our sort of American uh, celebrations and cultures. Um, A lot of people just stop there when they read the Christmas story. They read, okay, great. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. I was reading about a little girl who was traveling around with her mom all around the city and they were looking at uh, Christmas lights and they came to this one particular church and there was a beautiful manger scene there. And she looks up at her mom and says, Mom, I love the manger scene. Man, look how cute baby Jesus looks. But man, Jesus hasn't aged at all since last Christmas. (laughs) Listen, that's how a lot of people view God. They simply view God as the baby in the manger and it just stops right there. And when you don't read the rest of the story, you don't realize how powerful and awesome and amazing this gift of his son, Jesus Christ, is for us. Like I said before, um, I am a horrible gift giver. And so I decided that I'm just going to get gift cards for everybody just to play it safe. All right. Visa gift cards. All right. And so I was reading about gift cards. And do you know that there are actually millions of dollars of unused gift cards that go each and every year? Like who gets a gift card and never uses it, right? But I was reading and companies like Amazon and Walmart, all right, for instance, they'll sell these gift cards and it will go on their liability sheet, meaning they'll eventually pay it off. But after a certain amount of time, it just kind of goes away and it's free money to the company. And get this, Amazon and Walmart alone last year had $5 billion of unused gift cards free money. Go back, to the, go back to the company. Starbucks had $100 million. That's 50 million cups of coffee that didn't get drank. <laughs> Chipotle, 600,000 uneaten burritos. Who gets a gift card and never uses it? And that's how a lot of people see God. They just have this gift card and they never fully use the potential and the fully magnitude of the gift that God is. He is a gift to us. 
God gave Jesus as a gift. Jesus came as God's gift. God gave to us. A child is born. A son is given. And man, I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus that way, that as a gift. Maybe only at Christmas time you think of Jesus as a gift, but he's a precious gift. In fact, the New Testament, over 40 times it's mentioned and describes Jesus as a gift. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.15. It says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That you and I can't even put into words how awesome the gift of Jesus is. The fact, I I would even suggest that 10,000 years into our time of heaven, listen, we still won't be able to put into words how awesome this precious gift is. In fact, 100,000 years into our time of heaven, I believe that we still won't be able to put into human vocabulary how awesome and marvelous and indescribable this gift is. And as significant and powerful as this gift is, God expresses it in such a way that every single person can understand that God has given them a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's a gift. It's a precious gift. And through this gift of his son, Jesus, there's a couple things that this gift does and helps us. Number one, Jesus comes as this gift to lift our burdens. He comes to lift our burdens. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6, and the government will be on his shoulders. The government will be on his shoulders. That's not talking about the fact that he, that he will be the universal and eternal king. That's talking about that he will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Look what Philippians 2, 10 through 11 says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, there is coming a day with every man, woman, boy, girl who has ever lived will bow at the feet of Jesus and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, aren't you thankful for that day that's coming? He's the King of kings. And so he's, it's telling us, what he's going to reign. And, and a couple of verses before in Isaiah 9, 4, it tells us how this King, Jesus Christ, is going to reign. It tells us in Isaiah 9, 4, this is good stuff. Look at this. It says, For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. Listen, Jesus Christ is the type of King who, who doesn't lay burdens on people. He's the type of king that lifts burdens from people. And I don't know what kind of burdens you've walked into this place with. Maybe it's the burden of the doctor said something to you last month and it wasn't good news and that's a burden. Maybe it's a son or daughter who has fallen away from Christ and it's a burden to you. Maybe it's the marriage and it's a burden to you. And you're carrying some heavy stuff. Someone died and now in your family, now you're celebrating Christmas and it looks a little bit different and it's a burden to you and you feel empty inside. The king that we serve, Jesus Christ, doesn't lay burdens on on people. He lifts burdens from people. The Bible says to cast all your cares and concerns and anxieties to him because he cares for you. He's that kind of God. He's a caring, burden type of God. 
So he comes to lift our burdens. And then he's also come to meet our deepest needs through this precious gift that God knew exactly what we needed. We needed a savior. And all that involves is that we just needed someone to deliver us from our sinfulness because we would never be able to deliver ourselves. And so he knew exactly what we needed. And in Isaiah 9, 6, it gives us four names that they call this precious gift. They call him the wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor. And so when we read that, the wonderful counselor, we, we, that's not the type of counselor that, that we think of, that we sit one-on-one and we have this conversation and, and then we rate it five-star and Google, hey, that was a great counsel. Uh, listen, although we all could benefit from counsel, we all need counsel in some sort of way, uh, that's not what it's really talking about here. The idea here is that the wonderful counselor, he is the source of wisdom itself. He's the source of wisdom itself. Look what John 1.14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became human. That word, word in the Greek is logos, where we get our word logic from. And the Greeks believe that underneath the surface of the universe, there is a rationale and there is a logic. There is a reason behind everything. And they called it logos. They called it logos. And John borrows that thought and says that Jesus, this gift from God, he is the source of wisdom. He's not the only one who helps you make sense of life, that Jesus Christ is the sense of life in every way, that he is the rationale. He is the logic. He is the reason for your existence. And apart from it, you will never understand why you're here. He is the logic behind life itself. He is the wonderful counselor. Aren't you thankful for that? the wonderful counselor. And then in the Bible, in Isaiah 9, 6, it calls him the mighty God. The mighty God. I, I, I love that term. Think of it this way. He's the champion of champions. He's the hero. He's the overcomer. He's the one that comes to our rescue. He is the one that's invincible. He is the one that comes to rescue people from their sin and shame. He is the one that will never be defeated. He is the mighty God. He is the mighty God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Look at this, the precious gift. He is the everlasting father. He's the everlasting father. I love that, that, that way that describes his love for us. He's the everlasting father. And whether or not you've had a good earthly father growing up, I think all of us in this room can describe what a good father should be. That a good father wouldn't be indifferent to you, but would be interested in you. That a good father would understand your weakness, but would love you anyways. That a good father would not turn his back on you in your time of need. You know, one thing, being a pastor for close to a decade now, I hear a lot of people have this idea, this concept in their heads that, that God doesn't love them. That, that, they're not, that God loves somebody else way more than, they, than, than, than he loves them. That God doesn't want anything to do with them. And I've seen this, this, this lie from Satan that people have believed for years. In fact, there might be some of you here today that has believed that lie for so many years that God could never love you because of the family you grew up in, because of past decisions you have made. And that's a lie from Satan. Because that's not the type of God that we serve. He's an everlasting father. It's not how he sees you. He, he loves you. He's the always interested God. He sees you in your time of need. 
you know, being an earthly father to my little girl, Adeline, for uh, 16 months now, all right? I cannot believe it. 16 months. It's been a great time. And but, but when she's struggling or when she's crying, I'm in the middle of the night. Listen, I, I don't turn my back on her. I don't say, hey, get your act together, and then I'll have something to do with you. No, 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 no. That's not how I do that. I know that when she is struggling and hurting and, and, and going through some stuff, she doesn't need less of me. She needs more of me. And that's how the everlasting father is. He comes to our rescue. He's the everlasting father. In our time of need, he doesn't leave us. He comes to our rescue. And I love what Psalms 103 says. It's just, just as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So he's the everlasting father. And then he says he's the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. Now, we have this tendency in American culture to think that peace is the absence of something. It's the absence of conflict. That when everybody's getting along, great, that is peace. During the holidays, everyone's getting along in church, that's peace. But really, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. See, shalom is not the absence of something. It's the presence of something in a holistic way. Listen, peace is not just taking something out. The prince of peace, the shalom, that what it's talking about, it's, it's the presence of something, not just in your spiritual life, but in your financial life, in your relationships life. Listen, it is the presence of something. And so he says, I'm the prince of peace. Peace in your finances, peace in your job, peace in your family, that he's the prince of peace. And the only way that we can receive that, that prince of peace in our life is by accepting Christ into our life and a relationship starts to get formed. And I love what Paul says that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And because you, when you do that, you get to experience his peace, the prince of peace. He's the mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father. So God gives us his love as a gift. God gives us his son, Jesus, as a gift. And the last gift that he gives us as we close this weekend is God gives us eternal life as a gift. He gives us a new life. So the real problem that Christmas comes to address is that people had darkness in their hearts. They walked in darkness Isaiah 9.2 says this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Every single human being has darkness inside of them. It's the human condition. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so this real problem that Jesus comes to address at Christmas really is to save us from that. That because sin, sin alienates us from God. Sin separates us from God. There's this blockade in our relationship. And so what Jesus says, God does, is like the answer for that is I'm going to give you my son, Jesus Christ, so that there won't be more, any more alienation, that the relationships can be restored between you and I. And so he sends his son, Jesus, to solve that. And he does that because he loves us so much. He loves us unconditionally. God's never quit loving you. If you don't get anything out of the message, get this. God loves you and you matter to him. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, what kind of family you have. He loves you. And he gives us his son, Jesus, as a gift. And because through that gift, he gives us eternal life. He gives us eternal life. And so when we talk about eternal life, 
we kind of just throw that word out there. Okay, yeah, great. God gives us eternal life. What, is that, what does that really mean? Eternal life means that it's endless. It's an endless life. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It begins when you believe. It begins when you believe. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you get to open his gift of eternal life. And when you do that, when you accept this gift of Christ into your life, you don't have to wait one day of the year to celebrate Christmas. You get to celebrate Christmas every single day because of the gift that God has given us. It's this free gift of eternal life. I was reading uh, one day an author, he said this about eternal life. He says eternal life literally means life of the ages. That's shorthand for the life you've always dreamed about. The life that seems so elusive is now made available in Christ. It's a brimming over life. It's an, it's an abundant life. That's what eternal life is. It's the life you've always dreamed about and you can have because of what God did through John 3.16. For God so loved that he gave his one and only son whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's the gift. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we do all these things at, at CLC, at churches all around the world. We, that's why we do this. Because God gave us his son so that we could have a new life only in Christ. Some of you here today have never accepted that free gift of eternal life. And I'm going to give all of us an opportunity to do that. There's some of you here today that have been carrying burdens for a long time. Some of you have been believing a lie from Satan that God doesn't love you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. And today that, that lie is going to be broken down. Don't believe that lie anymore. That's lie from Satan. Believe the truth about who Christ is. That he loves you and you matter to him. And because you mattered him so much, he gave his one and only son for you so that you can have a free gift, an eternal life, a life abundant, overflowing with blessings in your life. Whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may have eternal life. John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out from death to life. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. You don't have to pay a dime for it because Jesus Christ paid the debt fully for us. He knew we couldn't pay the debt. And so he paid it all for us on the cross so that we could receive eternal life. Listen, this Christmas could be radically different, could radically change your entire life by accepting this gift of eternal life. The life abundant, the life that you've always dreamed of, the Christmas that you've always dreamed about can start today. And you can walk out transformed and changed because of the gift that God has given us. And so I'm going to ask every head bow, every eye closed in this place. 
And if that's you today, you're saying, Josh, I want, I want that free gift of salvation. I want that free gift of eternal life. I want to know where I'm going after I die. I want, to, I want to celebrate different this year in Christmas. I want to have more joy. I want to have the Prince of Peace this Christmas. And I couldn't think of a better way to start the Christmas season off by you saying yes and believing and accepting this free gift of eternal life. And so if there's anybody here today that's saying, yeah, Josh, that's me. I want that free gift of eternal life. Can you just slip your hand up? I just want to see it all across this place. Can you just raise your hand all across this place? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Yep, I see you all the way in the back. Yes, I see you over there. I see you right there. I see you right there. Yeah. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer. It's not a special formula in any way. It is just a prayer of acknowledgement that I'm a sinner and I've fallen short of the glory of God and I need a Savior to come and save me from my sins. So could we all repeat this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And that's only you. Forgive me my sins. Wash me clean. Help me to live a new life transformed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just give it up for those who accepted Christ into their life? It's it's a new day, and we're going to celebrate that. And so for those of us who believe in Christ, you are not off the hook, all right? This week, you got a job to do. We talked about God's love. God's love is unconditional. Don't hold the love in the house. We want you to invite somebody next weekend to our Christmas experience. We believe God's going to show up in powerful, big ways. And so if you know a coworker, a neighbor that needs to come out, show the love of Christ to them. Invite them out to a powerful service next weekend. We're believing for lives to be transformed and healed by Jesus Christ. Hey, I love you guys, and we will see you next weekend.